Good morning. It's great to be with you. Uh, Seanovan, Saskatchewan is, yes, pretty much in the middle of nowhere. Now, even though Seanovan is in the middle of nowhere, we're a 25-minute drive from Seanovan, so we're really in the middle of nowhere. So when our students come, we work with adolescent boys, 13 to 18 years old. When our students come, uh, many of them come from cities and, and so on. Man, this rural experience for them is just like, what in the world? So one of our students a number of years ago um, his parents told him, hey, you're going to be going to this private treatment program called Rock Solid Refuge. And so he gets online and he starts Googling, uh, not rock solid, but private treatment centers. And I don't know if you've ever done that, but often it'll come up like these are almost like resort places, right? Pools and all that stuff. And they start driving down from Saskatoon um, and uh, they get past Swift Current going south and like the barrenness that he's seeing is like, what? And they drive up on the yard. He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I, can't, I can't stay here. And they're like, yeah, this is, this is where you're going to be for a year. Um, but we've seen God do incredible works uh, in, in that place. Uh, being here brings back a ton of memories for me. This stage uh, instills a little bit of uh, maybe post-traumatic stress for me. Um, I... Uh, Graduated from Prairie High School, and back then, we had to do this thing called a senior sermon. That is foreign to, I think, most of you here, but every grade 12 student, if you were going to walk the aisle and be on the stage as a graduated high school student from Prairie High School, you had to give a senior sermon. So you and a buddy would kind of partner up and figure out how you're gonna run a chapel for the entire student body. And that was 100 students in each grade, grades 10 to 12, so this room was full of 300 high school students, and you're standing up here, and going, uh, okay, I'll just, I'm just gonna read this as fast as I can and get off. It was, for me back then, it was traumatic. So I actually don't mind being in front of people now, but I was sure at that time that that's the last thing that God would ever call me to was to be up in front of people. Another great memory I have of this room is one of my good friends. Back then, um, chapel was at 8.05 every morning for the high school. And uh, we were in the building right behind here, of course, back then. And you couldn't be late for chapel. You couldn't miss chapel. If you had unexcused lates or or unexcused attendances, a certain number of them, you'd actually get expelled, suspended first and then potentially even expelled from, from Prairie High School. So my friend was always late. Like, I don't know. Like, it's unbelievable. And, and um, there was a lot of dorm kids then, a lot of local. I was local. My dad was on staff. And uh, he was local as well. His parents lived uh, east of town. And he'd drive in every day. It just seemed like every day he was late. And it was, must have been about this time of the year. It, the, the drive coming down looked pretty similar, snowy, icy. And he's barreling in here trying not to be late. Well, chapel's already started anyways. And he comes and he kind of makes the corner a bit, but he's going too fast. He hopped up, his truck hopped up on the curb there and smashed the glass doors. Not even kidding you, chapel's already started. Glass comes flying in the back of the chapel. And we're all like, ah, oh, Dennis is here. <laughs> like, it had to be him. It had to be. There was no question. So... A lot, of, a lot of good memories. I love, I love this town. I love this campus. I love what God has done here over the many, many, many years. I think Prairie must be coming pretty close to 100 years, right? 22? That is so phenomenal. 
Um, it's so great that God is still impacting young adults to go out into the world and be a part of building his kingdom for all of eternity through this place. Um, I want to share with you just a little bit about what we do. Rock Solid Refuge, our, our mandate, our mission is to bring God's transforming love to adolescents with life-controlling issues, that they may know freedom, I'm going to talk about freedom this morning, restoration and hope. Um, at this point, Rock Solid Refuge is just one campus uh, in southwest Saskatchewan near Shaunavan. Our hope and our prayer is that God will give us the opportunity to see uh, campuses open all across Canada. Um, we have room for eight students at this, at this point. That's eight beds in all of Canada for long-term Christian treatment for adolescents. Okay? As far as we know, there's no other program like it all across Canada um, for guys. There's a, new, a girls program that just started up actually this month southwest of us. Um, but the need is great, and, and um, there's just not beds available uh, for them, for the young people. Uh, so that's, that's kind of, a, in a nutshell, what we, our mandate is. Um, love to talk with more of you uh, later. I'll be at the atrium, like it said, and, uh, like was said, and I'll be also over at the dining hall for lunch. So who am I? This is a series that you are going through this, uh, this semester. Oh, Mr. Enns is in the back there. Hello, Mr. Enns. <laughs> now, he could tell you some stories of grade... 11 social studies, but anyways, I won't get into that. Uh, <laughs> again, sorry, it's so good to be back here. I appreciate it. And I am so thankful that I am forgiven, <laughs> redeemed, and set free. And to, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, I, was, I was not super excited about this whole Christian thing was, as a teenager. I went through Prairie High School um, not, not actually following the Lord. I'd start, I went into Bible school, honestly, not following the Lord. I did a semester of Bible school, um, just towing the line, doing what was expected of me on the outside. Um, but on the weekends, I did what I wanted to do. And I had this tug of war with God back then. Because I actually was afraid to follow God. Because I was afraid of what he might ask of me. I had great parents. My parents followed the Lord. They loved the Lord passionately. They, they sought to serve him with their lives. And I actually didn't think I wanted that. I thought um, God would let me down. I thought God would be boring. I thought that um, it, it just wasn't the life that I thought I wanted. But ha as the second semester of Bible school started, um, God just nailed me to the wall and said, it's time. It's time to fall. That was the day that I stepped off a cliff in faith to follow God. It was also the day that I would look back on and say, that was the day I actually became free. I came to know myself to be forgiven. I came to know myself to be redeemed. And I came to know myself to be set free. So what does this look like? Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no more important issue in our lives. None. There's no more important issue in our lives than to know that we have been declared right with God, that this relationship with God that has been at war because of our sin has been made right. 
And we are at peace with God. There's nothing that's more important. Ephesians 1 verse 7, in him we have redemption. In other words, we've been purchased by him. We've been bought by him. Through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. There's no richer gift that we could ever, ever receive. As, as the executive director of a, of a ministry and a charity, I have the privilege of having generous people that come alongside of us and, and give generously. Um, I've held a check in my hands for $80,000. I've held a check in my hand for $200,000. Like, it's mind-boggling to look at those zeros and go, is this for real? And to think of the generosity. But then when we look at these passages and we go, the generosity of God, the extravagant grace that he has for us. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And Romans chapter 6 is such an important chapter about being set free and a slavery. Whose slave are we? And having been set free from sin, we have become slaves of righteousness. And in a verse that I think most of us, hopefully all of us, are very familiar with, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, I want to show you, uh, um, oh, I have this cartoon. Um, one of my favorite passages is from Galatians chapter 5. Verse 1 says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. We like the word freedom, right? How many like the word freedom? Absolutely, I do. But I think it's really important for us to understand what this word freedom. Now, in the cartoon, see that bird? That bird has more freedom than I have. Now, here's the funny part about this cartoon. I have this, somebody sent this to me on an email, so I have it on my phone. I flagged it so that it would always be on my phone. Um, and we're hanging out in the dining hall waiting for lunch one day. And two of our students are standing at the window in the dining hall, literally having this conversation. Like, it blew my mind. So they're talking and they're looking at the birds, the sparrows out on the ground outside the window and having this conversation about how restrictive their life is at rock solid and they can't do what they want to do and look at those birds. They can just fly around and they can do anything they want. I showed them this cartoon on my phone as they were having the conversation. Like they couldn't believe it. But how many of us, if we're honest, we would love for the word freedom to mean, even in the scriptures, okay, um, Galatians 5 verse 1, we would like it to mean, I get to do what? Whatever I want, whenever I want, right? How many of us would like freedom to be that for us? We get to do that. Come on, you're lying if you're not putting your hand up. We all want that kind of freedom, right? Like there's no question all right, so we might need a little more forgiveness here today uh, if we're not putting our hand up because we all want that kind of freedom. I want to be able to do what I want when I want, right? And the guys go on to talk about 
Um, he doesn't have to go to school or eat liver or memorize the times table. He's totally free. That's what, that's what we want. What happens if we live that out in our day-to-day lives? <laughs> it doesn't work out. Disaster, right? That's what happens, right? And the reason why we don't want to put our hands up too quickly because of whether we want that to be the definition of freedom or not is because we know that all we have to do is look around and go, if everyone in this room did that, it'd be disaster, right? It's to be like, uh, somebody's dying at some point soon, right? I mean, you don't have to even go to the movie theaters very often to go, okay, that's what happens, right? It just doesn't work out. And that's really the context of the, of the work that we do at Rock Solid Refuge. We work with young people with substance abuse addictions, with pornography addictions, with challenging behavior, because in their frame of mind, in the lens through which they look at the world, that's what they want life to be. Get off my back. I want to do what I want to do. I want life to be what I want it to be. I want to determine it all, and I want to be autonomous, I want to be independent from the restrictions and the regulations that my parents put on me, that people around me put on me. Just let me be free. The trouble is, is that they don't want to accept also the outcomes of that. Here's a story of a young man. This young man's name is Justin, and he was the inspiration for Rock Solid Refuge. There was a boy I knew who had found himself in a place of complete hopelessness. He was dying from an addiction to crystal methamphetamine. At 17 years old, he found himself in a field, stripped of his clothes, covered in mud, and cutting himself with rocks. When the police arrived, they arrested him and took him straight to the mental health ward. His mother always said he was a good boy, a happy kid with no problems. He had a love for life and his family and was full of passion. Around age 15, things began to change. He became very depressed and started self-medicating. Within six months of smoking his first joint, he was heavily addicted to crystal meth. His mother couldn't believe how dramatically he changed in such a short period of time. I can still remember the look on her face, the deep sadness, the frustration. You could tell her body wanted to give up, but her heart never could. She was a single mother, and this was her only child. I remember it so clearly because she was my mom. And that boy was me. Hi, my name is James. I'm the counselor at Rock Solid Refuge. The story of brokenness you have just heard is not unlike mine and many others all across Canada. At Rock Solid Refuge, we have the privilege of helping youth and their families break the chains of addictions and other life-controlling issues. Through faith, discipleship, education, and healthy relationships in a residential setting, we are seeing teen boys set free. If you or someone you know is in crisis, we would love to help. If you would like to experience one of the most fulfilling jobs as an intern, staff member, or volunteer, come see us at our booth or visit our website.
um, there is opportunities to, to come and be a part of what we're doing at Rock Solid. I want to share just a little bit more from Galatians 5. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there with me, I want to spend just a few more minutes in Galatians 5. It's such an important passage. And so Paul starts out in this passage, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. In the book of Galatians, Paul is addressing this reality of of what it means to come into a place um, functionally of freedom. If we know our Bibles well, we know that the context of freedom is in a number of different categories. So if we know ourselves to have been sinners that need to be forgiven and redeemed, we know that Christ's sacrifice, first and foremost, when we by faith believe and trust in him, sets us free from the penalty of sin. We deserve God's wrath as sinners. And when we by faith come to Christ, we are freed from the penalty of sin. But when we understand Romans 6 properly, we understand that sin is not just things that we do, but sin is a power that wants to dominate us and enslave us. And so we are freed from the power of sin as well. We're also freed from the law being the means by which we become right with God. Because we can't do it, right? And this is particular to the book of Galatians. Paul is very concerned that the Galatian people who started out by faith don't turn back to the law as the means by which they are, which they become right with God or stay right with God. So we need to stand firm in the redemption and the forgiveness and the salvation purchased for us for Christ and not be enslaved by the old ways, whether by the sin that enslaved us or whether by even the law as if it could somehow save us. So then if we've been freed from those things, this is a question that's very important to me. What have we been freed to? Because if you work with people who struggle with addictions, you cannot come to them and just say, stop it. Any of you seen that Bob Newhart YouTube video, Stop It? Right? If you haven't, go there. It's, it's hilarious. It's really great. Just stop it. Or I'll lock you up in a box and whatever. Uh, it's, it's hilarious. But the reality is, is that it's not enough to just stop. We have to move from what we were to something new, to what God is calling us to be. And so Paul addresses that very specifically here. And he says in verse 13 of Galatians 5, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. My putting forward this word freedom, Paul says, is not for you to declare, I now have the right to do what I want when I want. Because your flesh is not yet completely made perfect and glorified, right? Now, I think there's coming a time when we will get to do what we want when we want. I believe with all my heart that that is exactly what the new heaven and the new earth will be like, right? Imagine being in a place where your only motive is good all the time. Like we can't even fathom that for ourselves, much less for everybody else around us. 
right? So this is what God has in store for us, that there's coming a time when everything will be so perfect. In fact, we will be so perfected and so glorified that we can do what we want when we want. But for now, we need to be instructed that our freedom is not to be used as an opportunity for the flesh. That our desires have to be seen through the reality that they're not always good, even as Christians. But through love, serve one another. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 9 says, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. When we come by faith to Christ, when we become his child, we turn from the things that we worshiped. One of my favorite authors is Ed T. Welch, Edward T. Welch, and he wrote this book, Addictions, A Banquet in the Grave, Finding Hope in the Power of the Gospel. The basic premise of his book is that we have a worship disorder and that we need to move away from our idols to serve the true and living God. How does that work out really practically in our day-to-day lives? It actually works itself out, as Paul says here in Galatians 5, by serving one another. That's actually what we were designed for. We were actually created for that. Another writer that I love is uh, Larry Crabb, Dr. Larry Crabb. He wrote a book called Inside Out. And um, one of the things that he, he starts, one of the premises he starts with is that one of the reasons why we're so out of sorts here in this world, and this is mental health week here, right? We, like, we're in a time when this is heightened of all times. One of the reasons why we're so out of sorts is because we weren't actually created to live in this kind of a world. We were actually created by God to live in a perfect world. But here we are existing with all this sin all around us, our sin and other people's sin. So when we come to Christ and we find ourselves, we know ourselves to be redeemed and forgiven and set free, we are set free to serve one another in love. And Paul goes on, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What does this walk by the Spirit actually look like? I think this is one aspect of it. I really appreciate the example of George Mueller. George Mueller, if you're not familiar with him, he was a man who was used greatly by God to rescue thousands, literally thousands of orphans in England. He's seen the need. Orphans were in workhouses, being treated as slaves or worse. He's like, this isn't right. So he started an orphanage, and then another one, and then another one. Thousands and thousands of kids were helped by George Mueller. And then he, but he said this, I saw more clearly than ever that the first grade and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord or how I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man might be nourished. If we attend ourselves 
on a daily basis to, um, if we concern ourselves with how do we glorify God and how we serve God, if that's our first thought, a lot of us are like, oh, that's a good thought. That's a good, we should do that. And yes, we should live our lives to serve God and to glorify him. But George Mueller would argue that that's really the overflow, actually. That's the overflow of my soul being happy in the Lord. Imagine tomorrow waking up earlier than you usually do, not 10 minutes before you have to be somewhere, potentially, and actually spending time with Jesus for real. Knowing yourself to be forgiven, to be redeemed, to be set free, to be mindful of the actual sacrifice that he made. And out of the overflow of that, as it says a little bit later in this chapter, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Our prayer for the students that we work with at Rock Solid is that their lives would be so transformed by the grace of God in the gospel that they would be happy in the Lord. And that through that reality, they can interpret all the other realities of their life. The traumas that they've been through. We work with young people with just dark, dark stories. Abuses that have happened to them, abuses that they've done. All of these things. But that the gospel of Jesus Christ would be what overshadows them. And that they can become happy in the Lord. And out of the overflow of that, bear the fruits of the Spirit, a life of joy. Um, I do want to take a few minutes for some questions, if some of you have. Um, I, I preach a lot, so I can talk for hours. But Just for a quick cue, Tim and Stu are running mics, and I think there is a number if anybody wants to text in. That's cool. We did not have that in 1989. Does anybody have any questions about the work we do or about just the, the passage, this context of being set free? Hi. Um, can you tell us a little more about the girls program that just opened up? So the girls program, which is near Consul, um, Saskatchewan, south of Maple Creek, uh, has a lot of similarities to what we're doing but with girls. Um, they are probably going to end up working with girls that are uh, um, even more vulnerable than the girls that are so than the guys that we work with. And so uh, it's a pretty closed off campus. Um, right now, their capacity is, is fairly low and limited. So two or three students, and they're going to expand that to up to six students. Um, Living Hope Ranch is what it's called. Um, you can find them online. And, um, and I think they're actually looking for staff and interns as well. I know they've had interns work for them uh, in the past, um, get, trying to get the program started and, and, and up and running. So Living Hope Ranch is what they're called. Uh, yeah, I just had a question about what do you do when the, your students have gone back, what sort of like reintegrating them into and making sure that the habits you've developed over the year have stick with them? Right. Uh, that's a great question. How do we work with them through exit strategies and, and um, 
reintegration back home. It's unique every time because every situation is a little bit different that they come from. Uh, some of our students actually come from some super great stable homes. And, um, and one of our students right now, he would just say, actually, I just made choices. I, I went down this path. I chose to become affiliated with gangs and to, and to kind of self-medicate and do these kind of things. And that's why I got here. So some of the home situations are actually really solid. We work with the, home, we work with the families throughout the year that they're with us. because so we're a 12-month program. So we work with the families, the parents. Throughout that time, we do things like family camp as well. Um, we, we want the, the parents to come uh, visit on campus. And uh, our counselor um, has a, a program essentially for the parents as well. So our primary work is during that 12 months while they're with us. Now, we remain a resource to them um, after graduation, and so parents can continue to call, they can come visit, uh, the student can definitely stay in touch, and we'll reach out as we're able to, but a lot of it is now on their shoulders, so they have to decide what's the, what's the path that they're going to take, and there's going to be all kinds of resources that will come alongside of them, but they really have to decide. Um, there's times when a student who has, has finished the program, or sometimes even a student that hasn't finished, has signed out early, will return to us and, and come back for some more time with us. Uh, and we're always very open to that, and we look at every one of those situations um, uniquely. Now, when we bring a student in, it's not uncommon for students to not want to come to Rock Solid Refuge, right? So imagine yourself being 13, 14, 15 years old, and your parents kind of say, sit you down one day and go, uh, by the way, um, here's, what's, here's what's happening. Uh, life here at home has gotten unmanageable. We can't deal with all the chaos that you're bringing into this home. So we've actually um, signed you up to this program called Rock Solid Refuge. And yes, it's in the middle of nowhere, Saskatchewan. Um, and, um, and so students are not often excited to come initially. We work very hard to build relationships as fast as possible, so we want relationships to be very foundational to their growth there, and we work with parents to understand that as well. Parents, you haven't had the best relationships. Some of that is your fault. Some of that you need to address, um, and we want to help you over this 12-month time to build those relationships. Um, if a student... Uh, struggles after they've been with us and they want to come back, it has to be them that wants to come back. Their parents, it can't be their parents signing them back in because they understand now what the deal is and how things work and what we're there for. Um, and so they have to be willing to sign back in. And we've had a lot of success with young people that have signed back in, whether they haven't finished the first time or even if they have finished and, and we ha have another chance to work with them. Okay, so I missed something there, the description of the program. Are you attempting to get them through their year of school or you give up on that? And what do you actually functionally do? <laughs> okay, awesome question. We are a fully accredited independent school um, under the Ministry of Education of Saskatchewan. So one of the components of our program is education. So whatever level they're at, we go from there and we do one year's worth of school. Um, a lot of our students have not been doing well in their schooling. They, they simply have just struggled. Many of them have dropped out. So one of our current students right now, he didn't even finish grade seven. He was in and out during grade eight and grade nine, mostly out, just had no interest. And, um, and so truancy was just off the charts. Uh, so he comes to us, but he's grade 10 level. I'm like, well, what do we do? 
so our education staff just kind of assessed where he was at and actually just put him into grade 10 and he's doing fine. Yeah, we have, and we have the ability to tutor along the way for that. Um, and so there's certain courses that he's actually excelling in and he's able to go through quite quickly. And there's other courses that he needs a little bit more time and a little more help. But we're structured um, for that to be um, a part of what we do. So, so yeah, it's actually the area that uh, our students will find the, mo uh, the quickest success. So it's really their first report card at Rock Solid Refuge is off the charts for them almost always. They haven't seen this since like grade two or grade three a lot of times. Uh, so that's, that immediately instills in them, oh, maybe things can change. Maybe life can be different. Maybe I am not as dumb as I've been told all these years. Well, what is it you're doing in addition to school program in terms of okay. program? So, so a basic day would kind of be Wake up is at 7.30 in the morning. Um, they have 20 minutes to get ready for the day and be upstairs for breakfast. After breakfast is chores, uh, and, and each student is responsible for a certain chore and it gets rotated throughout the week. So they're responsible, so they learn responsibility to take care of themselves, to take care of the space that they live in and the space that they share with other people. Um, after chores is uh, morning devo devotional, so we do that at 8.45 till 9, 9 o'clock is school till noon, lunch, chores, school again till 3.30, um, break, and then we do one hour work projects, and, and that can be prepping supper and meal for the next day, it can be shoveling snow, it can be tending in the garden, it can be mowing grass, it can be all kinds of things. So we want to instill in them some, some work ethic um, through the process as well. Uh, supper's at 5, chores at 5.30, and then in the evening they get uh, some, some activity time. So some of that is self-directed, some of that might be group-directed. Um, if they have disciplines to do because they've uh, created some problems and they've broken some rules and there's some, some consequences that have come, they have to do their disciplines during the activity time. Uh, we have a 45-minute reading time where they do uh, assigned level work that they have to work through. So in order for a student to go from coming in uh, on intake day to graduation day, we have six levels that they have, to, they have to get through. So they don't graduate just by being there for 12 months. They actually have to go from level one to six. And each level has certain requirements for their behavior and certain requirements for uh, specific study work, um, books that they have to read, Bible passages they have to memorize and study and write short papers on and that kind of stuff. And that, and that um, is more and more we're tailoring that to their specific issues. So if they're coming in with specific substance addiction issues, then it's a certain track. If they're coming in with pornography addiction issues, it's a certain track um, and, and so on. Does that make sense? Well, I suppose the intimacy of the setting means that it's actually, the healing is actually the relationships with the staff, right? Yeah. Yeah, so we, we have three primary, um, if you want to say, legs to the stool that we work with. Uh, and we say that we have authority, role modeling, and relational influences are primaries that we work with. Authority is primarily the structure that they have to come into. And yes, there's consequences. Um, Role modeling is super important. If we're, not, if we're gonna ask them to, to do certain things, 
We should be modeling that, role modeling that before them. But relational influence is so foundational, especially in the teen years. We all know that, right? The relationships we have in our teen years are, are critical at that time. And if it's only negative peer relationships, that's the direction that we're going. And so we want to build relational influence as best we can. Oh, I'm sorry. Why don't you close with that question? Okay. How disciplined is the program? Can they quit if they don't want to be there? Um, relationships is key to everything. So, it, yes, there's a structure. And if you come over to the atrium and you look at our student handbook that I have there as an example, you'll be like, whoa, this is actually pretty strict and pretty structured. The feel of the place, though, isn't as strict and structured as, the student, as our student handbook would kind of let you believe. Um, however, when we have problems, we need to address that even with real consequences. The reality is, is the gospel only makes sense if there's justice in our lives as well, right? Sin has to have some kind of um, meaningful consequence. Um, what was the last part of that question? Can they quit? Um, that's a tricky question. If they're 16 and older, they can sign out anytime they want because a 16-year-old can live anywhere they want in Canada um, as long as they're not breaking the law. Um, or if they have court conditions to be there, well, then there's another level of consequence if they were to leave. If they're under 16, they have to live somewhere legally, right? And so signing out is, is tricky. Now, we, we can't keep somebody that's going to create uh, unreasonable chaos and be violent and those kinds of things um, indefinitely and ongoingly. That just doesn't work, right? It tears the program down for everybody that's there. So yes, they can sign out per se and we have a whole process to do that. Um, and again, our goal even in those times is that we would emphasize how the relationships are critical through that time and through even exiting students well, we've seen many of them come back. They reach out to us, hey, I was really dumb, and I would really like to come back there. Um, thank you for the opportunity. Love to chat with anybody that wants to meet up later on.